Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church Extras Podcast with your host, Senior Pastor John Sauer. This week, Pastor John continues his series on the Moses Legacy. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge Extras. I'm Pastor John, the senior pastor of Stonebridge Community Church. And Stonebridge Extras is our podcast where we basically take the extra things from the sermon that didn't make it into the sermon. Extra ideas, extra thoughts. Sometimes it'll be a completely different topic than what the sermon was on. There just wasn't time or it didn't fit the message for, for us to address this in the sermon. So extras is just what it says. It's extra. So sometimes the themes will line up with the sermon, and sometimes we're going to go in a little different direction. Um, and today is going to be one of those a little different direction idea extras. Because in the sermon, I talked about grace, and, and grace is here in the Day of Atonement. But Leviticus 16 is fascinating for many reasons. I regularly try to encourage people to read scripture with humility. And the idea that we are certain about everything in scripture, I personally think that that can be dangerous. And if we lose humility, and if we replace humility with with certainty, I think we miss the point of scripture. And the point of why God tried to reach out to us in Scripture. And Leviticus 16 is a chapter that should teach us some humility in how we read Scripture. Let me point out what I'm talking about here. In Leviticus, we have rituals. We have all of these rituals that are there to communicate different truths about God that are there to help retain the presence of God as I've been preaching about. We have all these rituals. For the most part, we can figure out what most of them are. But what you have in the book of Leviticus throughout is a lot of technical language that doesn't appear in a number of other places. And when ancient Hebrew terms don't appear in a number of other places, it's harder to know what those terms really mean. And when you get technical language that isn't widespread throughout Scripture, it's hard to know what exactly we are talking about. And there's a, there's a huge example of this in Leviticus 16. But just for, before I get to that big example, just by way of a more common example, is the names of the different types of sacrifices in English that's something that gets debated regularly. In, in, in Leviticus, you'll, you'll read burnt offering, sin offering, whole offering. In Hebrew, those are olah, chatat, uh, and a, a term related to shalom. It's hard to know what exactly olah, chatat, and the shalom term, what they actually mean in the sacrifice and what they're actually addressing or responding to. Because these types of sacrifices, they're really only discussed here. I mean, they're mentioned other places as well, but in terms of an in-depth discussion, it's here in Leviticus. And the way to get definitions in ancient terms is to try to compare the usage of the term to other usages of it. 
And that tells us what the word points to. So these types of terms, it, it should give us some humility. And when we get to Leviticus 16, we come across this term. If you, if you read the whole chapter, you're going to come across this term, Azazel. In English, it's spelled A-Z-A-Z-E-L. Azazel. I don't know how to pronounce it. In fact, I don't think anyone knows exactly how to pronounce it. But Azazel. Where it pops up is first that I can see in Leviticus 16.8. And then again in Leviticus 16.10. And here's what we're told in those verses. Remember in the sermon I said that there were the two goats that are to be offered. There's the ram and two goats. The ram and one of the goats will become a burnt offering and a sin offering. But then the other goat, through the process of casting lots, is sent out into the wilderness. Well, what Leviticus actually says, specifically, is that the lots will be cast and one of those goats will be for Yahweh. And Yahweh will choose which goat goes to Yahweh. And the other one is sent for Azazel. And then in verse 10, the goat is sent into the wilderness to Azazel. This raises a pretty obvious question. What or who in the world is Azazel? What is that? Where did that come from? It's not mentioned commonly in the Bible. It's not ever explained. The way that is presented here is though we're supposed to know who Azazel is. But the truth is, we don't really know. We don't know exactly what's going on here. The most common uh, hypothesis that I found or that I've read is that Azazel was some type of demonic force who lived out in the wilderness but that over time, fewer and fewer people actually believed in Azazel, which is what tends to happen with different uh, demons mentioned in ancient literature. That fewer and fewer people began believing that Azazel was really out there causing trouble in the wilderness. So it became just a term for wilderness, which is very common in ancient languages. That terms that were at one point gods or demonic forces become just general terms. A good example of this is, is the Hebrew word for sea, yam. In other literature, yam is talked about as a sea god. But in the Bible, the term yam shows up regularly and it has nothing to do with a sea god. It's just become a term for the sea. This kind of thing happens. So it's thought that Azazel was one of those kind of minor uh, demonic forces that lived in the wilderness. And that the way this is all structured is it has to be really, really clear that there's no sacrifice being made to Azazel. So that goat's never killed. But it's more that the goat's just sent out into the place where Azazel lives. That there's chaos out there, there's wilderness, and that's where sin belongs. So you send the goat out there. So that's the best theory. 
But the truth is, nobody knows for sure. And this is where I say it's good to have humility when reading Scripture. Because anybody who tells you that they know for sure who Azazel is, what Azazel is, they're just not being honest with you. They're just overstating their own certainty. For many people, though, this idea that there's things in the Bible that not only do we not know, but we really can't know. I mean, short of God coming down and returning and us saying to Jesus, hey, what was going on with that whole Zazel thing? Short of that, we're not going to know. If we had other documents that explained that to us, we would already know. But the odds are those documents don't really exist. Uh, there isn't a widespread literature around Azazel out there that we haven't discovered yet. I mean, that's possible, but it's very unlikely. So we have this piece in this very important chapter that seems important when you read this, but that we just don't know what it's really talking about. For those of you who really need certainty, I hate to say this happens more often in Scripture than you probably realize. Because the truth is, Scripture had an original context, and it was written in an original time and an original place for specific purposes. And oftentimes, those purposes, what, prompts, what prompted this literature to be written in the first place by the human authors who were inspired by the Holy Spirit, but they were inspired in a specific situation, in a specific time, in a specific place. What prompted that is lost to us. I mean, clearly here in Leviticus 16, the overall point is God's grace is extended, that the forgiveness of sins will take place even if people don't repent. That's, that's what's going on here in Leviticus 16. But a big part of that is sending that goat out to Azazel. So for this very important part in this very important chapter, we don't know what's going on. Now, for many of us, that might make you uncomfortable. If you've been taught that you have to have certain truth of the Bible, not truth, but certain knowledge of the Bible, and that you have to have certainty, and if you don't have certainty, then you're not really a Christian or if you acknowledge that there's some ambiguity here and there, you're not really a Christian. If you've been taught that, then yeah, this is going to make you uncomfortable. But that's the truth of the Bible. And if we want to take the Bible seriously, we can't just gloss over these truths. We can't gloss over the ambiguity in the Bible. We can't just imagine that it didn't come from a time and a place and a situation that we aren't really aware of. We can't just ignore all that stuff. If we ignore that, then we're not really taking the Bible seriously. If we ignore that, we're turning the Bible into something that it's not. We're not taking it on its terms. So for me, I read this story of Azazel and this, this mention to it. And it just makes me curious, but it also helps me to understand that Scripture tells us what we need to know. Scripture tells us what is sufficient 
for faith, sufficient for understanding God. And we have to trust that if the Holy Spirit deemed it necessary for us to know who Azazel was and be able to explain that perfectly, then we would have that information here in Scripture. It would be spelled out for us. I don't think the Bible is here to answer every single question for us. Some people have said that, and I think that that's turning Scripture into something it's not. Something that the Holy Spirit and the church, when they put the canon together, and and whoever formed the Old Testament canon, when, when it was all put together, that's turning it into something that they never intended it to be, and that clearly the Holy Spirit never intended it to be. There is ambiguity in the Bible. And I don't think that we should be afraid of that. I don't think we should hide from that. I don't think that we should try to act like it's not there. Because while there is ambiguity in the Bible, the big picture comes through pretty darn clearly. For instance, here in Leviticus 16, yes, we do not know what Azazel is. We don't know what that whole piece of this process is. We don't know exactly what's going on there. But we still understand what is happening throughout the chapter. The sins of Israel are being carried by the scapegoat out into the wilderness. And the sanctuary and the altar are being cleansed from the pollution that the sins cause through their sacrifice. We understand that God's grace is coming through clearly. And we don't actually need to know who or what Azazel is to really understand that. And I would say, in Scripture, you're going to come across so many different points, so many different times that it's just going to sound so confusing. I mean, I've been reading the Bible in depth for for decades now, and I still come across passages that I've read over and over again that I don't know exactly what it means and come across passages that are difficult for me to reconcile them with one another. That's okay. Because at the end of the day, when you read Scripture and you look at it clearly, especially the New Testament, you get the big picture clearly. God created the world. Humanity rebelled from God. And God began doing everything possible to bring humanity back into line. Jesus was sent through Jesus living as a human and then going to the cross. The world was restored and we're waiting for the fulfillment of that restoration now. The resurrection took place. Jesus was actually raised from the dead. And all the people in the New Testament believed that. Who wrote the New Testament, they believed that with all their might and being. That big picture comes through clearly. That picture of restoration, of resurrection, that's the message of the Bible. So rather than getting really focused on the places where there is ambiguity and either trying to say because there's a small ambiguity, the whole Bible falls apart, well, that's ridiculous. The whole message of the Bible clearly doesn't fall apart because a few passages are ambiguous or we don't really know what they mean. So we can't really say that. And instead of also coming to these passages that are ambiguous and saying, 
No, this is exactly what it means. I know what it means. Even though people for 2,000 years have debated this, I have it figured out. Well, that's just arrogant. If I were to sit here today and say to you, guess what? I know exactly what Azazel is. I know exactly what's happening here. And here it is, folks. Here's the thing you can be certain in. I would be lying to you. And, and that's arrogant. That's either deceitful or that's so arrogant that I shouldn't be in a position of leadership explaining the Bible to people and talking about the Bible to people and, and searching and questioning with the Bible. So I think that the things that we can have confidence in, the resurrection of Jesus being the primary one, those are clear enough that we can afford to not know who Azazel is. We can afford to not really understand this part of Scripture. So don't be afraid of these little moments when you come across the Bible and you see something you just wonder, what in the world is that? It's okay. It's part of the joy of discovery. And it's part of the recognition that these are the scriptures that were passed down to us. And we take the Bible as it comes to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God bless you all. And hope you have a good week. And I look forward to talking with you last week, next week. And next week will be um, our final Stonebridge Extras for this season. We'll be doing it again in the spring. Um, but next week will be the final one for the fall here. So hope you all have a good week. Looking forward to talking with you then. God bless you.